Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Welcome to SLP Coffee Talk, the podcast designed exclusively for speech-language pathologists who work with older students, grades 4 through 12. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, your SLP behind Speech Time Fun, the Speech Retreat Conference, and the SLP Elevate Membership. And I'm thrilled to bring you conversations, strategies, and insights that will give you the jolt of inspiration that you need. Whether you're tuning in during your morning commute, on a break in between sessions, or even during a well-deserved relaxation time, I am here for you each and every week. Let's do this, SLPs. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Today, I have a former special education teacher, Michelle Breitenbach from Read to Rewire here, that's going to be talking all about how she now is working virtually with dyslexia students. So, Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you, Haley. I appreciate you having me. Tell everyone a little bit about your journey and how you are now doing what you're doing today. Yeah, sure. So I started out as a special educator in Massachusetts, and they were very big on science and reading methodologies even back in 2009. So they certified us, like any special education teacher got certified in Wilson. Everything was all set there. So I moved to Miami after health difficulties. And I came to Miami and there are no dyslexia practitioners anywhere. It's like I was a shamrock compared to in Boston. I was like a field of sunflowers. And then down here, it's like, holy crap, you're a shamrock. Like people are so lucky to find a certified dyslexia practitioner, which shocks me because there is uh, an amazing amount of wealth here. So I couldn't imagine what the underprivileged were going through. So I really kind of just started tutoring, but not realizing that I had a very specific skill that was needed. I was kind of just kind of grabbing at any jobs. And then when I had a family contact me and say like I was the only person on the Wilson list within 30 miles, then I really zoned into just supporting kids with dyslexia. I started going to homes and doing homeschooling and like working through schools and things like that, all as a private tutor. 
And then I had this one particular family and this little five-year-old wiggly student that I was homeschooling. And then all of a sudden, they up and decided that they were going to move to L.A. And I said goodbye. And I said goodbye to the income. And it was like, ah, freaking me out. So basically, what happened was, a total to my surprise, uh, about three weeks after they moved, they called me up and they said, he had such a good relationship with you. We really enjoyed you as a teacher. Uh, can you work online? And this was a year before the pandemic. And I said, oh, yeah, I can do that. No problem. Like pretending almost like I already knew how to do it. And as anybody who's out there who's taught online, it's like not something you can do overnight. So I failed miserably with him. Fortunately, the parents were like super supportive. They got a nanny to sit next to him. It was a nightmare. It was a learning process. He was my best teacher. And then when the summer came around, I started getting more clients online, like clients knew that I was teaching online so they could travel, they could go to grandma's house, they, the kids got to have the summer that they wanted to have and still retain services because as you know, it's really important to have our consistent services as a dyslexia practitioner. By the time fall of 2019 came around, I had decided that my whole practice was going to be either you have to walk to me or we work online. And then that put me in a position where at the start of the pandemic, I had had a lot of experience in the teaching online space. I had out of the blue, this teacher reach out to me from Macedonia. And I believe this is how I re recall schools being, knowing that schools are being shut down. I trained her for free and I had 35 Facebook friends and I just kind of put myself out there not knowing what the heck, like I knew I had a skill to share, but in terms of like a social Instagram and Facebook. I was all like a newbie to that. But I started doing like $15 webinars and teacher appreciation webinars and making games for teachers through the pandemic for free because I just knew that online teaching was really, really hard. And my main mission for online teaching was really to have the teachers be able to use their authentic teaching materials, stay centered to the lesson, stay in control of the lesson not fall down the rabbit hole of wells and whistle websites and everything that takes you away from what you learn as a practitioner. So I really work on helping teachers replicate the in-person experience. I continue to do that to this day where I actually, I do tutor several families that don't cause me stress. I'm all about no stress. I'm all about health as you're well. But the main mission here for me and my platform is that I really feel like there's a silver lining to the pandemic in terms of so many people have learned how to teach online. And I think that if you're in a place like Boston, you don't realize, or New York, you don't realize the scarcity of dyslexia practitioners. But I've been talking to people all over the world and it's kind of like, it's just not the norm. It's not the norm to be surrounded by dyslexia practitioners. So I look at online teaching as a way to give kids access and I also supporting teachers where, or tutors where like, if a parent calls up and is freaked out about online teaching, they can say the lesson looks exactly like as if you were sitting next to the child in person and they kind of can calm those worries a little bit. Because as you, if you're a parent and you get suggested online teaching, like they're not happy about it. <laughs> but I also say to people, are you talking to the right families? Because there are families that not just desire 
online teaching, but it's actually a necessity. You talk to families that are told to move five hours to get dyslexia services to a school. I worked with a family in the Keys where they were driving to me. They were getting their child out of school. I'm in Miami. Keys in Miami. We're not so close. Just so they could have some in-person lessons. I got them online and now it's, okay, finished lesson. Now he goes jump in the pool and game over. So sometimes we don't think of the benefits of online teaching because we were thrown into it. And that's kind of like a toddler being thrown into the pool, like, and then be expected to have be an Olympic swimmer by day three. That's what everybody went through during the pandemic. And I do see the positive sides of this. And that's kind of like the vision that I have for sure. And it's definitely the same way that I feel as an SLP in New York is that like, there's so many SLPs that we don't need necessarily teletherapy unless you have like a medical reason or whatever. But there are some geographic locations where it isn't as accessible. To yeah, service. There, sure. It isn't as highly populated of SLPs to get it. So I love it that you said that your lessons should reflect what you would have done in person. Can you go a little yeah. deeper into that? Like, so often we want to like look for teletherapy tools and certain websites yeah. and why do you yeah. shy away from that? Because the first thing I will say is if a child doesn't know it's out there, they're not going to miss it. And the reason I, I really want it, it, it's a, it's a way for the, the teacher to main control of the lesson to have that center relationship. And we don't want to lose that. If you think about teletherapy or, or virtual tutoring, like as soon as you share the screen, it's like you get condensed into a small, like small box. I'm looking at you right now. I can see that you're happy to be with me. I can see, you know, that you're not tired. I can see that you're not confused. If you start going to these kind of tiny little boxes, you're missing out on all these cues and you're missing out on a huge piece of connecting with the child. So I teach people how to work appropriately in the video. The other thing I think you have to think about is even though the pandemic's over and it's not, well, not over, but there's <laughs> less, right? There's less people that want to be taught online. There's less people that are being taught online. It doesn't mean a child's not attached to technology all day long. If you think about a child's typical school day, they are on an active board. They are on iReady. They are on Lexia. They are doing apps in school. They come home and what do they want to do? Come on, Haley. What do they want to do? Do they want to go outside and play on the trees? No, my kids want to go on YouTube or watch TV. <laughs> exactly. So if you can give them one moment of like a clear um, interactive experience with a teacher rather than going on a website, really give that authentic experience. And I think that that's really where we should focus on. The other thing is as a private tutor, something that I tell my tutors is watch out because technology is going to replace you because as you know, like online teaching, the parents are lurking and that's okay. <laughs> like I would lurk too if I was a parent. I'd think, well, what kind of tips can I pick up so I can teach my kid as well? But if I saw somebody using a website and then I go research it and it's like $200 for the year and that's all that they're doing. Now I say, okay, Haley, I don't need you four times a week. I need you two times a week. I do not want you guys to be replaced by technology. And more importantly, that the student that is coming to you has a lack of confidence 
has a lack of uh, connection with other people. There's a huge misunderstanding. Um, they don't understand what's going on with them. So I just feel that, and, and of course, it all depends on the student too. There are students, like some of the older students, that it might, you might think of it differently, but I'm, I'm kind of talking about like the K to five population. Mm-hmm. They are missing you. They really want to connect with a teacher. And I just find that if we don't maximize our video and don't use our authentic materials and aren't, I am somebody that will stand strong and say, I don't think a virtual letterboard is a multi-sensory tool. I'm very strong in saying that. I also so you'd rather hold one in your you'd rather hold one in your hand and show it so you can show yeah, yourself moving it, it around. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I do is we do like a little game and like I'll say like do we match. So I'm doing on my side, I'm building the word. We tap it and then we say, Do we match? So I'm doing it, they're doing it, we're having a nice interactive, engaging experience. And it's not Versus a virtual letterboard, which I've had to use before when the child like goes on vacation and doesn't pack the letterboard. And it's like they're spelling swear words. They're bringing down like, we don't need a hundred L's. Okay. We need two L's. <laughs> we don't need a hundred L's. Um, they're scribbling all over it. It's hard to get the remote control with the iPad. It's like people fall down this rabbit hole of confusing ways to teach. And if we keep it super simple, like you can totally replicate the in-person experience with literally two tools, a solid computer and a document camera. And that's all you need. And that's what I would suggest to anybody. Invest in those two things. Any manipulative that you would use in person, any queuing cards, any whatever, for whatever goal you're working on, SLPs, you can just use those same exact materials that you have already in your arsenal. Yeah. If you're working virtually, it doesn't have yeah. to be a whole new, like, slew of resources that you need just right. for virtual learning. Right. And we take a step back. Like, it's, it's a very special thing that people were sharing so much during the, the pandemic. But I think we got into this space of like, oh, I have to go look for a vowel team game and I have to go do this. And I have to go do that. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, open your closet. It's there. Whatever you need is there. I promise you it's there. So. I really support teachers that are dyslexia practitioners that are feeling like overwhelmed because they go and do some research about online teaching and they're like, I would never do that. And that's not the case. They need to understand that there's a, there's a very simple way of doing it. And you literally have two tools to figure out and communication with the families. The other thing that I saw a lot during the pandemic is parents overloaded with directions and printing out things and back and forth things. And your parent who is working has hired you. They don't want a second job. You need to be able to say on a call that, by the way, you're not expected to be here. You can do your meeting. Please don't run the vacuum cleaner. Um, please don't run the vet blender, but you can do your, you can go do your Zoom meeting. You can go take care of your child. You can go help your child with homework because this is where when I start working with teachers, I start right at the very beginning where the basics are getting the child independent. That's the first step. Just like getting them independent on the computer. Don't start testing kids. You're never going to get the accurate results until they're comfortable on the computer with you. And they are 
independent where mom and dad don't have to come in like the the revolving like New York door, right? Like <laughs> the, the hotel door where they're like just going circle, circle, circle. <laughs> you know those families like, Dad, I'm off my toes. Like you know that everyone went through it, right? I went through it. It was just like a year before the pandemic. And I think the other thing that I've learned by teaching online is that we do have to kind of step outside the box. Our kids are, this is working with these kids too. There's like this, they have this amazing outside of the box thinking. And you'd be surprised if you keep it simple, like what they give you. I'm like sitting there with notes all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like a good idea. I'm going to put that in a book. So it's like, don't let technology take over your lessons, like your props, your sound cards, rice. Don't use Jimmy's. They'll eat them or sprinkles. You guys follow my phone, Jimmy. <laughs> They'll eat them. They'll have sticky fingers. Don't use shaving cream. Like, but rice works really good. I would say no to sand because that's going to get into keys. <laughs> so rice is a little bit bigger. And then just stay consistent and, and whatever your lesson looks like, just try to take the burden off the family because we work with kids with ADHD. We work with kids executive functioning difficulties. If their kids have executive functioning difficulties and ADHD, what can we expect the families to also be experiencing? So the more you're putting on families, the more confusing of a task this is going to be. So. Parents are looking for a simple solution. They're waiting for someone to say, like, I got this. Go make lunch for tomorrow or something. When you suggest online teaching, their brains might go to, oh, that means I have to sit next to my child during a whole lesson when I need. I'd much rather have someone in person where I can use it as free time for mm-hmm. me. Do you have a favorite like activity that you like to do virtually with your students? Like, well, like like a phonological awareness type of activity? Yeah. So uh, for phonological awareness, like, I mean, you can do anything. You can use the puppets, right? I would say be very clear with parents about how many puppets are needed because our kids have puppet collections and you will have 10 puppets show up. Like if you say, like, a puppet, it'll be like, I have a heart puppet. I have a balloon puppet. I have a, a whale puppet. You need one puppet. Just keep it super simple. I do a lot of the tapping to keep it, again, super simple. I really try to stay away from skywriting just because I don't want to be showing kids anything backwards by mistake, right? So skywriting can be tricky unless you have really mastered that in the brain to, to write. Definitely. Wait, what is, what, is, what is skywriting for those that are not? Yes, yeah, so skywriting is when you keep your elbows straight and you write the letter. And if I was to do that for you right now, and I would do the E, you see it backwards. So we have to be really aware of what instructional practices we're using, where kids are going to be seeing things backwards. It's the same thing. There's a, a setting on online called the mirror effect. If the mirror effect is checked, you'll see your stuff backwards. And the kids, if they hold it in the screen, they'll see things backwards too. So that would be our ultimate demise as a online educator because we're trying to get kids with dyslexia to read and then they're seeing things backwards. So as a dyslexia practitioner, if you're seeing things backwards, 
It's literally, you go to video settings, you uncheck mirror effect. That way, when you hold something up, your child will never see it backwards. But do you really want to see things backwards as a dyslexia practitioner? I would say my favorite activity with students, there's two of them that's super simple. One of them is like, you. we're all Michael's teachers, right? Like we get stuck in that like Michael's line where it's like, oh, it's an apple basket. I need that. Like we have baskets, we have bags, we have pumpkins, we have whatever it is, we have it. It's like, you can literally take word cards, put them in a basket and just pull them out and like have a little bonus card in there and really make it, whether it's like a, a points game or to bring in a movement break. I really love that. To keep it super simple. I just hold it in the video. That's it. Just holding the video. If it needs to be marked up, then I would put it onto the document camera so they can use tools. And then the other one is the one that we already talked about because spelling can be like, eh, I don't want to do spelling. So I do like using the magnetic letter board and turning it into a little game. Do we match? Yes, we do. And then I say like everybody back to home base because you don't want a child with like all these letters all over the place. So it has to, a big part of teaching online that is not necessarily considered that the number one thing to do is behavior management and behavior management online looks a lot differently than behavior management in the classroom, right? Because when you're working with a child, you literally can see a lot of what they're doing. So it's easy to say like, oh, put that E there if they need to be redirected. So one of the things that you really have to work on with online is making sure the child advocates for their their needs and bringing them through the structured lesson, making sure that they're able to do this independently. And I use a lot of code phrases like say teacher check when you're done, because otherwise you have like, are you done yet? And like that's going to create like a power struggle. So that's one of the big things that I work with teachers on is just working with these kind of behavioral or some of the issues that would pop up online that would not necessarily be part of an in-person lesson. So really kind of getting ahead of those power struggles, those behavioral issues. That's kind of, I think, one of the main things that was missing during the pandemic is that, you know, you guys are told just to teach online. It's like, there are steps to that. And when I work with a teacher to help them teach online in the nicest way possible, I think of these teachers as teachers that like, like I'm working with them and they have their, I'm giving them an IEP. Like I'm <laughs> setting goals for them. I'm breaking things down. They need to see things in video. They need scaffolding. And unfortunately during the pandemic, that didn't happen. And online teaching got a bad rap. And I think that we have to kind of rewind that a little bit and think about what positive parts came out of that. There's amazing teachers all over the world that are able to help kids. So, so sure. So, and there's so much more available now. What advice would you give to a teacher or someone that is struggling to keep a child motivated online? Okay. So, I think one of the things that people do is they do like a visual schedule, which is fine. And they might say, okay, at this time, we're going to go into this website, right? The website might not have anything to do with the lesson, or if it does, it's like a, a bells and whistles kind of website. You use a bells and whistles kind of website in the middle of your lesson and then try to bring the student 
back to your authentic materials, you're going to have a really hard time because the child's going to be like, I don't want to leave Go Noodle. I don't want to leave this place. And so my recommendation is to think about it. If you never, my kids don't know about these places, so don't tell them if you see them. If you never introduce the kids to these areas, it's not to say that some of them are not good resources, but if you never go there, they're never going to miss it. So if you stay in control of the lesson and you just use what's in within reach and in your cabinets and stuff that you've been using for years, then you don't have to recreate the wheel and you don't have to get in these power struggles. Like there was one time I used Go Noodle when I first started and it was like, it froze. So it was his, it was his like reward. It's frozen. Now it's frozen. Now it's taking away from the educational side of things. Then once it unfroze, it worked. And then afterwards, what do you think he said? I want to go to the next one. So it's like really connecting, using game or using a movement break that is connected to your focused area. So like if I was doing silent E or BC or whatever you want to call it, my game or my movement break would be based on the VC syllable. It would not just take them to like a, a rando site like that had nothing to do with my lesson. And the other part of it is I would stay control of the lesson. You go out into the abyss and, and some people might disagree with this, but I have really had had smart kids who have two devices up at the same time. And you don't know what they're with you because like you're asking them to type for you, but you don't know if they're typing on a different for like their device and they have like a video game going. I had this one student one time and I'm like, how would I know like if you're not with me? And he showed me with his eyes. He's like, oh, I'd be like this. And I was like, oh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So if you stay in control of your lesson, like I get to the point where even if I hear he is typing. When they're not supposed to be doing that, they're supposed to be tapping. I know that they're not with me. Whereas if you're online and you're doing these things where there's like typing you know, the keys and things like that, like you, they could be in Roblox. You don't know. So it's very <laughs> easy for them to get distracted by this space. And, and my biggest thing is really like, where is the student teacher connection? Like, and as a private tutor, the other part of it is, We've learned technology is not always the best consistent way of teaching. So, for example, if you have something in your back pocket that you can do in video, you can pop onto FaceTime, you can pop onto Skype, you can pop onto WhatsApp, and you can save the lesson. And as a private educator, that's something that you would want to do instead of just saying, okay, lesson over, um, I lose out on money that day. So, no, definitely. And definitely a lot of SLPs are doing teletherapy into the student at school. So it might be, it's a little different of a dynamic when they might not necessarily have been like, been signed up for it and not be there by choice. And I will say I am a fan of educational websites. However, I do like to use them as not a tool, but as a activity, just like you would use a card and you still need to teach it. You can't just do it. And for online, I do like the idea of doing it at the end as a reward this way. Yeah, it's over, but yeah. still making it 
functional, not just as arbitrary reward. Yeah. Well, I do it at the end of a lesson, and that's to further develop your rapport with your student because in a space that maybe we feel like a little distant from our student, especially students that are not comfortable in video or a teacher that's not comfortable in video is at the end of my lesson, like my parents know my lessons are an hour, but five minutes to the end, we do a share and the kids get so excited about it. Like they, they start bringing like these huge books, they bring their seashell collection. So I do a share. I usually share my puppy because I can't think of anything else to share. But they think of like anything to share. Like I've met grandparents, like seen art projects. And it just, it just furthers your connection with these students. And and you can continue to ask them like how's about doing or something (laughs) like that. Because, and the other part of that is we know that our kids can get like on a tangent. These are our kids. They're, very talkative. I'm pretty talkative myself, as you can tell. So like, if you get on a tangent during a lesson, you can redirect and say, I love that. Where are we supposed to do that? And they already know because we've gone through these behavior management right from day one. Oh, that's for share. So we can redirect and the lesson doesn't get interrupted. And the student knows there's a place to put it okay, goes to share instead of like, she doesn't want to hear what I have to say. I want to tell her about my weekend. I want to tell her about my sleepover. No, we know this is for share and that's okay. We're going to continue our lesson. So if you're in the middle of your sound card drill and all of a sudden they're like, I tell you about the movie that I saw. It was so good. I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. I love that you went to the movies. Let's save that for share. Love so that. Love. that. I love that. Building the routine. before. Yeah, it. it's a routine, it's predictable, and it builds on the rapport. And the kids get really excited. I've had people like do their piano recital and like they just get really excited to connect with you in that way because I think one of the things that people think about with online teaching is you don't have as much connection with the student. So that's a, just a way that you can kind of reinforce that that connection. I love that. Thank you so much, Michelle. This was amazing. I love it that you have so much experience with working with students online and just especially students with dyslexia, which is something that many SLPs are also doing as well. Where can everyone learn more about you and everything you have to offer? Yeah, so the best place to find me is on Instagram. I share a lot of content there and a lot of tips. I am also on Facebook. I have um, a membership that is ongoing and that's for certified dyslexia practitioners that want to build out their tutoring businesses and learn how to teach online you keeping it super simple without the tech overwhelm and it's a a great community of educators that are all trying to build their businesses and we're reaching and teaching people all over the world we've had international schools contact me parents contact me other tutors just say i have a wait list contact me so it's been uh, a really great way. It fills my fuzzy bucket. It definitely does. I love working with these teachers. And then a lot of teachers are coming to the membership because they're tired of schools. They want to be home with their young children. They want to go on early retirement. Someone is like traveling cross country in an RV. Somebody has gone engaged and built their house. So I think sometimes as teachers, we think that we're boxed into 
we need to be in a school in order to serve and in order to do our passion. And I'm very big on supporting teachers that are having difficulties with their health, want, don't want to miss out on their kids' lives, and breaking also the stigma that just if you're a tutor, you have to work between the hours of four and seven or four and eight. You have to work those like grunge hours because you don't. There are tons of families right now that are making choices to work, like have homeschooling, which they need an expert like you. There's ways to zoom into schools and support students, especially in private schools and Catholic schools and things like that. So the religious schools that don't have the people on site. So if you're sitting there and you listen to all this, you're like, oh, well, all this sounds great whether you're a parent or a teacher or a tutor, but there's not a need for it. My, my bottom line, last thing to say is you're talking to the wrong people. There are people all over the world that need this right now. And it's only going to continue to grow in need. People are changing their lifestyle for sure. So, so true. Thank you so, so much, Michelle. I can have links to everything in the show notes. Everyone can check out your Instagram page and all the resources and things you have to offer. So thank you so, yeah. so much. I always end my episodes with a joke because jokes okay. build rapport with students. And I always like to yeah. start my lessons with a joke. So why did the kid cross the playground? Oh my gosh. I know it's not to get to the other side. To get to the other slide. You got it. Shut up. I never, <laughs> I've never heard of that. Oh my God. That's so funny. I thought it was side slide. I figured it was very phonological. I figured it was yeah, a good one for yeah. this episode. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. With them getting in touch with me, I've also added a resource list and a free game so they can you join the email list. You'll get all, all the information about upcoming webinars. I do free webinars sometimes on a weekly basis. So really trying to give back and making sure that our kids one in five with dyslexia get the support that they need no matter where they are located. So thank you so much. If anyone listening is wanting to get more of an expertise with dyslexia, wanting to pick up some private clients, definitely go check out Michelle and everything she has to offer. So thank you so much, Michelle. Tell <laughs> next week, everyone. Stay out of trouble. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. It means the world to me that you're tuning in each and every week and getting the jolt of inspiration you need. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at my website, speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.